there have been times where I was driving up a hill and I just hear this hugest bang ever. Our cart was just rolling around in our trailer. We don't really do events for less than a thousand dollars. Hello, and welcome to the Valor Coffee Podcast. This week, we tackle our claim to fame, coffee carts. A year and a half ago, we recorded our most viewed podcast and video, which is everything that we have learned about starting a mobile coffee cart or a coffee catering business. And there are some things that were out of date, a lot of things we've learned, and we've actually built another coffee cart since then. So we're sharing the things we've learned since then, not only just working with our cart, but also all of our wholesale partners partners that serve our coffee that have coffee catering businesses. If it's your first time listening to the podcast, we do this every week. We talk about leadership in coffee. We talk about running a business, how to create a culture that sustains happy, healthy employees. We talk about the inner workings of running coffee carts, extraction, all kinds of topics. So thanks for joining. Something cool that we have on the horizon is the Valor Coffee community online. I don't know if that's going to be the name. We're still workshopping that. But it's a place to learn more about the deep inner workings, the more nuanced details of running a coffee business. So a good example is, is in this podcast, we talked about our pricing and packages for all of our events. But in the community, you might have a more detailed spreadsheet that where you can plug in your own numbers and get a quote automatically generated for you. So it's resources like that to equip you to be the best coffee leader that you can be. We cover a wide variety of topics in this podcast, and it's kind of just off the cuff of like all the things that we've learned. So follow along, watch multiple times if you have to. I know a lot of you did that on the last time we did this. If you enjoy this content, make sure to like and subscribe if you're on YouTube or your podcast app of choice. Leave a review for us. This really helps us get this podcast into more people's hands. We think we're great for the coffee community, and it's been really cool to see how this, this show has brought our listeners together and even connected them. So without further ado, let's start the show. To coffee carts. Hey, to coffee carts. I love coffee carts. Let's talk about them for, man, how long? Like Three, a long time? Four, long time. five minutes. Odds are this is some, some people's first listen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well. So who are we to talk about such a just heavy topic? A weighty topic. Back in 2016 or 15? 16. 16. 2016. Wow. Uh, 2016 candles. We had the idea to start a coffee business, you and I, Riley. Yeah. But yeah. the problem was we were 19 years old. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain set of challenges that come with being 19 years old. Like what? Oh, man. I mean, a lot. But as it relates to starting a coffee cart, you don't have experience. You don't have money. Mm -hmm. um, those are t the main two. You don't have. But, hey, you know what you do have? Time. You've got time, and if you take a risk, it's usually not that big of a risk. Wherewithal, you might have some wherewithal. Yeah, you didn't have an eighteen-year-old by your side, either. That's true, but we would later. Um, anyway, that lived in Forsyth County, Georgia. Yep, not Dawson County. Yeah, I don't yeah, think about North it. Forsyth. Um, so we were working in a cafe in Gainesville, Georgia, in uh, our first coffee job. And somebody called the cafe and ring, 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 right? And I answered. It's oh, the weirdest phone. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they said, hey, I'm, you know, my daughter's having a wedding. Um, I'm trying to help her plan it. 
I want espresso catering at my daughter's wedding. Does your coffee shop do that? Like the, the shop we worked at. And I said, no, but, but. <laughs> <laughs> but my business partner and I do. And we hadn't talked about that at all. We just talked about starting a coffee. <laughs> and from that point on, we weren't friends anymore. We were we business were partners. partners. Yeah. Um, you know, not but, all, not all stories have to be good stories, but yeah, the, darn I, it, there are stories. <laughs> well, it was just it was. I think it was the first time I ever thought about a coffee cart existing. Because mm. uh, in that time, which was not that long ago, uh, as of the release of this podcast, seven years, seven years, there were not a lot of coffee carts. It's really blown up in a lot of ways, and it's probably not going to stop, which is why we're doing this. But um, there weren't a lot of coffee carts to look to, to be like, oh, I want to start a coffee company, but I don't have any money or experience. Oh, I'll start a coffee cart. That wasn't really much of a thing. So that's why the call was so like revelatory. Mm. Shout out to that uh, mom for having such a progressive thought. That I know. Huh? She had some good ideas. Um, so that was like the, the kick in the pants we needed to like, hey, we can do this. We don't need money. We don't need experience. No. Um, and so... Not even a cart. Again. We'll, we'll just briefly go over our story to for all you listeners so that you get context of who we are and and why we have the uh, authority to mm. speak on this matter. But do you remember our next step? Did we like look up? I feel like I just looked up like coffee cart. Probably that. Probably didn't see a lot of them. The ones we did see were West Coast. I feel like the regulations around mobile out there are even to this day a bit more progressive and easy mm. we'll also get to that subject on uh, permitting but i think we probably did that and then we just probably sat down and started listing out the equipment we would need to make this thing happen yeah yeah which obviously we we knew enough to know that we weren't going to put like a massive espresso machine mm-hmm. on our cart um, but we knew that La Marzocco was awesome, and so we started looking up at looking at uh, GS3s. I don't even think were Linea Minis out at that point. No, I don't think so. Maybe like I mean, if, if they were, then it was pretty new. It was very new, very new. Yeah, but th- there were some one group Lineas. Remember those? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'd seen those around, but I think they were still two twenty mm. volt power. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we were we were considering starting this business and it was a huge life move for us at the time. And I went to this uh, confectionery kitchen that had an espresso bar in the front of it and met this guy, Ethan. Um, Top of the morning to you. That's what I said. You know, we became fast friends and I told him, hey, do you want to come to a coffee cupping with me tomorrow morning at counterculture Atlanta, which uh, was something that we did all the time. It was a really beautiful time of learning coffee. Um, and I said, I'm going to go apply at jobs in the city. And if I don't, I am going to start a company. Like if you don't, if you don't land the job, you're going to start a company. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. If I don't get, if they, they don't like my resume or whatever. And lo and behold, <laughs> And then on the way home, <laughs> on the way home, maybe it didn't go well, and I just like so, you know subconsciously knew that. But on the way home, I was like, "Hey, you can be our first employee, like Ethan. You can be our first employee in our coffee cart." But anyway, so uh, from there, 
I'm trying to think of like what our first step was. I know the whole the whole thing was like once we had the the cart built, which we'll we'll backtrack a little bit, but it was like let's just take any gig we possibly can. Yeah. Because we, we can't be choosy about the opportunities we have. But our first setup, uh well I, I guess we'll back up to 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 funding. Again, no money. So we did a Kickstarter mm-hmm. and made an awesome video. Oh. Which is is still just viral and circulating. Is it linked um, below? <laughs> maybe, but also maybe not. We'll see if it's linked <laughs> below. Um, but that Kickstarter was the first thing that we ever did as business partners, mm-hmm. like the first project we ever worked on, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. And we set the goal for ten thousand, and with the help of friends and mostly family, uh, <laughs> we got like ten thousand and. $60 or something like that. And then Kickstarter took a thousand of that. Oops. And with that, we bought a Lamarzoko GS3 and a Malconi K30. A Malconi K30. And probably like a flow jet for pumping water in into the accumulator machine. I don't think we bought the accumulator yet. We oh, didn't learn about that. Okay. But I mean, and then probably some milk pitchers and a couple of scales. And I, no, not even a couple of scales because we just furnished our own from our own home, homes. Yeah, I remember buying a, a, a Kaya Lunar. Like, this is my prized possession. Yeah. And our first event was on one of my friend's back porch for his engagement party. Mm-hmm. But it was set up on a foldable table, mm. like knee height on me. Because for all of you who don't know, I'm very tall. So like, tall. very, very tall. It's like, it's crazy. It's like weird. Um, <laughs> so, gosh, I just just to paint the picture of like how scrappy we were at that time and hopefully still are, but uh, we were just desperate to get anything going before the event. We, we had our foldable table, but we didn't have a way to make it look good. So like you need like a table skirt and like a, you know, a thing, the tablecloth. And so we went to Hobby Lobby and we're just like, where can we buy any like materials? We need, we need fabric. We need fabric stat. (laughs) So we went to Hobby Lobby um and we just bought like this faux leather because it was like not porous and then you know like it, I just I would love to be a fly on the wall in our our conversations during that time. Oh my gosh, yeah, and that's just kind of how it went. It was like we got, had the money we had and we were gonna do what we could do. Even mm. before that, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit, but that wasn't even our first event. We. Right, you know, before that, we, under the name of Valor, as we were getting prepped for the Kickstarter, would just go make pour overs at our church, or yeah, uh, for free, for free, just because we wanted to do something, yeah. Um, which that that same spirit is still with us, you mm-hmm. know, like of just starting with anything if you really want something, and that that's also something we'll get to later, of like. The whole we didn't start a coffee cart so that we could have a coffee cart company. We started a coffee cart because we wanted to have a cafe, and we knew that a coffee cart would be like, or we hoped it would be a stepping stone in that direction, and it was in a lot of ways. Um, but we we had the foldable table, we had some of the gear. We realized that we did not have enough money, so we opened a zero percent interest credit card. Uh, which is a great move for a lot of people that are starting businesses. If you're 
trying to spend like eight or ten thousand dollars uh and you think you can pay it back in a year so you don't have to pay 20 percent interest on your credit card um but we did that it was such like such a huge decision to buy a, an ek-43 but i'm really glad we did we got that and we did we also bought a curtis g4 brewer with that money too because we want to be able to brew drip at events is it that ek over there oh yeah it's that ek and that curtis yep Wow, it's all still with us. They all still work. And um, we'll, we'll get to this later, but I'm kidding. We just yeah, we just want to say that a lot. Yeah, do you? I can try to cut that back. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Seriously. So Stay loose. Yeah. That was that we were we had all that gear. At what point did we realize that we actually really needed a cart? I mean, yeah, we had all that gear. We built it into a custom foldable table. Which was, I, I think, it's a little ahead of its time because that's kind of what Simple Cart does, just in a way better fashion. Because it broke down, you know, it was able to fit into your Ford Escape. Well, we had the the lifetime plastic table, classic, you know, church yeah. basement table. Mm-hmm. But we were like, this is fine. We just need it to be taller mm-hmm. and bigger. Yeah. And so, can we? Can your dad just make us a? wooden version of this but massive yeah and lo and behold he did he did i think he threw it away like a year ago because oh, he asked oh, me man. he was like what should i do with this and i was like i don't know just dumpster get it out of my sight dad but, but yeah it was you know it worked it had a, it had a milk pitcher rinser built in some other stuff knockbox hole but it had this like laminate sticky tile on the top that of it that lasted for one event i think brutal yeah that was rough brutal choice should have tiled it but i think <laughs> after you know i remember an event we did at a law firm in atlanta that was on the 25th floor with that of this thing? building oh with that gosh. we lugged it up the service elevator and we were like what if this was all in one vessel and not on a utility cart where we have to make three trips up 25 floors. And you got to get to that point to realize that, though, right? Because Mm -hmm. the barrier of entry, if you're listening to this and you're, like, building this all out in your mind, is like, well, then I have to spend the money on the cart. Mm -hmm. Well, then I have to get a trailer to transport the cart. And then you're like, well, then I have to make sure I have a vehicle that can pull the trailer Mm -hmm. so those are all three like pretty big factors um but just from our experience i think we can definitely say that was a huge uh benefit and like smart move for us Mm -hmm. especially if you're trying to take this somewhere you know but if if you're trying to just keep it as low cost one man team as possible Mm. Maybe, maybe you could figure that out, but. So we decided to build a cart and, you know, we'll get into all the nitty gritty of build out. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, Later. I'm gonna get, just going to give a very fast forwarded view of what the next few years looked like. <laughs> and it was, we landed, you know, we got our cart, we did weddings, we got some film set events using this cart and just, you know, through our website and some word of mouth uh, and then referrals from other events took any event we could get and then through the cart being out somewhere we met someone and that connection led us to being a permanent pop-up inside of a co-working space with the cart 
So our cart was kind of parked and turned into a mini cafe. And we were able to build up some working capital and by, you know, sheer luck or, uh, you know, the, the, I, I mean, yeah, just literally we were in this space and then someone in the space in an office moved out and it was the perfect size for a cafe we wanted to open in the same building. So we'd already built a customer base uh, of sorts and, you know, some amount of brand recognition in the area of Alpharetta, Georgia. And we just moved up into that space and um, the rest is history. Kind of deconstructed that first cart into our cafe. That's right. Put a bunch of all the gear, all the gear, Ah. We've used the GS3 behind the bar for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's true. We have a good bit of the gear in there, and uh, it's still ripping to this day. And from there, we have, uh, you know, opened a coffee roastery. We roast all of our own stuff in house. We actually started roasting during the uh, pop up, pop-up, which that might be a, another episode of how to get into roasting because we even you know rented other people's spaces before we opened our own. Oh wow in the spirit of starting slow, uh, open a coffee roaster. And since we've opened a second cafe as well, and at somewhere in that mix, we have built out a new cart and it's sitting right over there behind Ethan and Ross. And I think we were able to channel a lot of what we learned from that first cart, which we didn't even mention this. There is a video on, it's our most watched video we've ever put on YouTube. Um, we recorded it, I don't know, a long time ago. How yeah. long ago? A year and a half ago. A year and a half ago. And that was before we built this out. Hey. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have, I think that, you know, we were starting to think about doing it when we were recording that video. And then we built this out and we've, we changed a lot of what we had said in that first video. Um, you know, some, some, we've learned some things with this new cart and we just want to, able to take that opportunity to share it absolutely what's funny in in that last uh video you we were talking about dreaming about building another cart one day and we hadn't built this one yet and you were like i just love the taper give me the taper. i love the taper on the carts we were like ah that that would not be possible that sounds too hard but thank you uh brad from radiant metalworks here in roswell georgia for this cart's made of metal brad we know you're listening avid listener of the program um, uh, this cart's made of metal and I guess it's aluminum. Um, it's gotta um, be, it's gotta be, it's gotta be. Uh, and, and, you know, there's like, uh, inch metal tubing that goes all around it. That's the frame. And there's just this very thin sheet, sheet metal, whatever material it is that keeps it all light. But, um, having that cart has been a lot easier than having a wooden cart, even though there's some flaws with it still. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been great. Mm-hmm. But that's a little overview overview of our story. Um, and the reason we wanted to share our story is not only to, to give you context of who we are, but when you're thinking about starting a coffee cart, you know, you have that that first idea of like, man, maybe I could do this. And that that's such a precious moment. Of like, I, I just remember how it, when I started to have those thoughts, how I was like, "This feels like different." I guess it's just, I guess the the biggest thing that was significant about it for me 
was like it was the first time I ever thought about starting something that was my own thing mm. and not just working for someone else. Mm. And that's that's an especially uh, significant thought when you're 19. Mm. But um, let's get into who should start a coffee cart and why. Because it, th- there's people that are that have coffee skills, right? They're, they're baristas. They know yeah. how to pull shots and they know how to take orders and pour latte art and do the thing. Does that mean that they should start a coffee cart? And why? Why not? What? What? How could you have the greatest probability of being in the li- like perfect stage of life, the best life setup to start a coffee cart? Mm. I'll say something. For so to back up for us, we wanted to have a career in coffee and have a coffee company, and a coffee cart was a helpful transitionary period to take us from nothing to something. Um, I don't think, and we would all agree that staying, especially the three of us staying in a cart world would provide a sufficient business for us. Hmm. Uh, at least it'd be a pretty volatile one where we're doing most of the hands-on work, especially with three equal partners. Yeah. Unless you like, just get a fleet of many dozens hey, and dozens of carts. So that's your true passion. But so I see, I see that as the main thing. I'm sure maybe you would speak into that more of talking to through people with like wholesale interests of like they want to do a coffee cart unto something. That's pretty helpful. I don't know if you ran into anybody. I was just thinking about someone who maybe worked in coffee and really loved it is doing a more Monday to Friday, nine to five job and has open weekends. And they're like, if I build a coffee cart, I can do events on the weekends because I would love to make extra money and I would love to make coffee for Mm -hmm. people that that's fun. Especially if you're in catering specifically. Yeah. That's when most of the events are going to be. You can do them and maybe like partner with a local cafe and do them if you have like a weekend, a weekday gig, you could find help. That sounds fun. Probably not, not going to like take over your life and it wouldn't be your main thing. Um, who else comes to mind or what else have you heard of like who this is a good fit for? I mean, I think about us, you know, it's a very, we were young and it was a very low barrier to entry because, you know, three guys splitting, uh, you know, around 20, call it 20 to 25K in debt. If the business would have folded, we wouldn't have been ruined from that. Um, so, you know, if you're if you want to get into something and learn the principles of business and have a you know real life business degree, then I think it's a pretty viable way to do it. Um, especially, you know, you're you're gonna have to do it as a side hustle, which we did. Yep. Um, you're probably not gonna jump into it full time for a while, but you can you know learn how to market. You can learn how to sell. You can learn how to write content for Instagram posts. It, you can learn how to bookkeep, like all those things. Uh, you know, this guy, Dan Coe calls them evergreen s- skills. You know, they like the things that you will learn here can impact anything you do for the rest of your life. So uh, I think especially coming out, coming maybe coming out of high school or like in college, coming out of college and just like wanting to get your feet wet in the business world and you just really love coffee, maybe want to start a coffee shop. I don't think you can go wrong. 
there's also a good a good bit of like hustle and grit you need to mm-hmm. and that that's a valuable skill along with all those those other skills but it's it it also might be a good idea to start a coffee cart i know this this show is is geared a lot towards people who are starting coffee carts but um if you're already an existing coffee brand like us now you mm-hmm. know like we have two cafes we have a roastery we we just did this right like mm-hmm. we just built out another coffee cart because we were like there's there's opportunity there not only just in the private events world not only in the corporate world but also just in the marketing world you know like um it's we haven't done this yet so uh but it's a dream for us to like if we have some awesome wholesale account that's an office be like hey can we bring our cart to your office one morning and just bless you guys like free drinks on us just because we want to so having that asset having honestly like an extra portable espresso machine around is awesome in case one of yours goes down um but we've talked about this a little bit but having an end goal in sight is very critical whenever you're starting anything and not just starting but sustaining and completing a task um our end goal was we want to have I think we said it was 13 cafes. You remember that? That kept, sounds familiar. We kept on saying 13 cafes. Why 13? I don't know. We looked at all the cities. The, we, yeah, those are all the cities. Yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Um, we won't have 13 cafes, but, and, and that's not our vision anymore. Although, if that happens, it happens. But this was the first and smallest and most attainable step we could take in that direction. And so there's a lot of different ways you can go about this when you're starting a coffee cart. You could, this could be a side hustle. Like Ethan said, you have, maybe you have a nine to five corporate job that or maybe you're working from home and it's kind of flexible and you can take the cart out one weekday morning or do a Saturday wedding or whatever. Maybe you're looking to start like a coffee cart company. Like I think of night owl in Texas. Um, I don't know how many carts they have, but I feel like it's like, Five or six, mm-hmm. maybe Hedge more. Hedge Coffee out in California, they've got. I think they've got a, a fleet as well. Yeah, and so that's a whole <clears throat> brand that is a coffee catering brand. You, they are known for mobile events. Mm-hmm. We are not known for that, at least here locally. We're known for our coffee shops and our our roasted coffee. Um, but the coffee cart, you know, department fits into that, and so. Having your end goal in sight is incredibly important when you're trying to figure out sh- what should I do? What's my first step? Um, and you can kind of calibrate yourself with, okay, if I am really about this and like this is going to be my career, then I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it work. And that's that's where we were at more or less. You know, like we basically dropped out of college to do this. I know Ethan got his associate's degree. Um, so congrats on that. I'm smarter than you guys. Should we put that in the background? Do you have a degree? Yeah, can you get it printed? I definitely have it printed somewhere. We'll have to frame it. I think it's above my toilet right now. We can put it back there next to Adam. Okay. Honestly, that'd be pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but we were like, we want to be in coffee. We love coffee. We want a, a career in coffee. And this is... Just simply too good. Coffee's just too good. <laughs> Um, and it, it's a catalyst for cultivating uh, community. Cultivating, cultivating. <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds. You ever been weird. wanting to cultivate community? <laughs> Anyways, so 
Is it a side hustle? Is it like this is my career? Anyways, that's 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 the point. Mm. Find your end goal, stick to it. Mm-hmm. But there's a little something getting in the way, right? Money. What? Money, money, money. Here we go. Must be the money funny guy in a rich man's world. <laughs> Would you guys go about it the same way that we did in hindsight? Money? Money. Yeah. Kickstarter, 0% interest credit card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's something to be said for just saving your cash. I mean, I think that you were, you might have been better at saving than Ross and I. Uh, I wasn't buying aprons me like and you Ross. guys. <laughs> but we, I, I don't think we had any savings at all. I mean, come on, man. A little bit. $600 in your checking account? Hundreds of dollars. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> maybe just save some cash. And, you know, you could even skip the Kickstarter thing. Like, that's what I'm saying. If, if you can skip the crowdfunding thing, then skip it. You know, they take 10% of the money. Uh, and it's just, you've got to put a lot of work into it. And like we said, you know, what you have up front is time, but that time could be spent on some other things to do with the business. And honestly, all like the rewards and stuff. Yeah. It's kind of a pretty big hurdle. For sure. To meet all those because you can end up leaving like a negative impression on a lot of people that supported you mm-hmm. by not following through well on your timelines for rewards. Yeah. But it's also awesome. I was going to say about the credit card, even though it's a little scary, like to get some fire under your butt around like, okay, we have 12 months mm-hmm. to make $10,000. Yeah. We got to do this. To yeah. like profit that. Like, yeah. 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 I think it was I think it was fifteen months, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Twelve uh, months. Yeah. But, but yeah. <laughs> uh one way or another. I'm I know that there's a chase card out there. If you want us to send you a referral link, then let us know. We would gladly take the fifteen thousand points we get from that. Wow. Uh, wow. But yeah, I think it was I think they have a card that's fifteen months, zero percent interest. And yeah, like you said, I, I always used to joke about it, like if this isn't paid off by the end of this I'm done with this company anyways. We should be able to do this in this amount of time. Yeah. And it was a joke, but it was like, I was kind of serious. And the reality <laughs> is, too, most people that are starting businesses are not doing it when they're 19. Mm-hmm. Even coffee carts. Yeah. Like, most of the people I talk to aren't 19. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've never talked to anyone that is, like, below. you never talked to a 19-year-old? I've ever? never even seen They're one. below him. <laughs> Literally, they're just way shorter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I, you know, I, I like that idea. Obviously, everyone doesn't have good credit, and we have to take that into consideration. That might just not be a viable option. But I would say, in order, the options would be Dave Ramsey it for a while. Just Get your envelopes out. (laughs) Get your envelopes out, eat rice and beans, and save some money. And that would be my number one suggestion. My number two would be the 0% interest credit card. Like you said, it's scary, but if you manage it well, uh, then you'll be fine. And then, like I said, doomsday scenario, $20,000 of debt. I'm not a financial expert, but you know, if the business fails, that's your, I don't think your life is going to be over from that. People get into way worse debt than that. And you should be able to make money off this thing in some fashion. And then three, I would say uh, Kickstarter and going in that direction. Yeah. Notice how you didn't even mention investors. Yeah. True. And I, I feel like this just needs to be said because I think it's uh, a common misconception for people that haven't started a business before. I think whenever you're 
whenever people who have never done this before think about starting a business, they think about getting investors. But an investor invests their money and then takes ownership away from you, and which is equity. Yeah, and I, I think you laying this out is very good because a lot of people think investor might mean someone giving you a loan, and right. especially people, younger people who are just getting into business. Yeah, and it first of all, an investor is not it, a smart investor is not going to invest in a coffee cart. Just point blank. Yeah, because so if someone's offering to invest in your coffee cart, get out of there. Or it's probably your uncle who just really wants to help you out. Yeah, yeah. and and that's great. Like that's that's a really cool thing. And people have helped us out in that way too. We're like, mm-hmm. hey, it doesn't make sense for you to loan us this money, but you want to do it because we are not anti uncle. Yeah, <laughs> okay. we're pro uncle. We're pro uncle. But an investor is not really an option. And if if someone is offering to do that, then I would just question why because an investor invests their money and then after a certain point they expect uh, distributions and a distribution from a coffee cart from someone who is not working in the business is brutal it's it would be nothing yeah um i mean even with us we were looking at spaces recently and we were like this space would cost us a million dollars to build out what would we do? How would we do this? Get an investor? And we were like, I don't, I don't even want to partner with an investor who is, I'm sorry, a big enough idiot to give a million dollars for equity in a single cafe. You can expect a full return in your money uh, in about 56 years. You know, half of that, I can kind of underst- I can understand it, and that would be a different conversation, but like a million dollars? How do you know what that looks like? <laughs> the point is, like, if you want to start a coffee cart, you need to be very passionate about it. Yeah. And very passionate about coffee and serving people and bought into this thing because it's not going to just, like, blow blow your socks off immediately with cash. True. True. So those are some funding options for you guys. Um, if anyone listening to this has found a better way and you started a coffee cart before, comment, and we would love to, to hear your story on that. Um, so... From funding, and, and again, this is for a lot of people who haven't started started businesses before, there's this whole talk of like, how do I start a business on the, you know... Like, like where do I get my business license? Business license. Go to the government. <laughs> what the is license. an LLC? These are questions I get a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And Should I file as an S-corp? Yeah, well, there's a, like, how do I make money legally? If I have business partners, you know, like how do I arrange that with, a, you know, in that relationship, um, which we did a, a awesome podcast, if I do say so myself, uh, two weeks, two or three weeks ago on uh, it was a Q&A session. But one of the questions was about operating agreements between business partners. So that would be a good resource for you who are starting a business, especially a coffee cart uh, with business partners and how to arrange that. Fuego. But just we'll keep it short. An LLC is what you need. Mm-hmm. That's your first step. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to uh, an accounting office in Gainesville. Oh yeah, with both of you. Yeah, I was there. And drawing up our LLC. You weren't there. I don't think he was. I think I went another time to rewrite it to get, get equity, you in equity. Yeah. To get your 15%. Or <laughs> I have more than 15% now. All right. Yeah. Maybe not in the eyes of the government. Yeah. yeah. So talking about investors swindling, uh, 
Case in point right here. Right. Swindled his way into equal ownership. Sweated his way in. Um, <laughs> a sweaty guy. <laughs> but the, the, the point of having an LLC is so that your business is the entity and you aren't. Mm. Right. Is that the, the simplest way to say yeah, that? Pretty much. Especially if you're talking about partnerships and stuff. You know, you can go the sole proprietorship way with certain businesses if you need to for a while. But LLC stands for Limited Liability Company. It shifts the, you know, the liability off of yourself onto an entity. And in a lot of ways, it protects your personal assets. There are different ways that you can put your assets at stake. Like if you sign a lease on a space and put yourself as a guarantor personally, which often happens and we are all in that situation ourselves. But, uh, you know, you like the, the entire point is to shift it onto an entity. And then in our case, be able to split that entity amongst us. You can't split a sole proprietorship. I don't think. <laughs> don't even go there. So, you know, you you want to put it there. And you, you'll see a lot of things online that are like, you know, file your LLC online. And maybe you are able to do that and you're able to research all this and find stuff yourself. My personal suggestion would just be find a really awesome attorney. And it's going to be expensive, but just include it in your funding. How expensive? Um, if we're talking LLC and, you know, maybe they draw you up an operating agreement if you have a partner. The, a lot of, I think a lot of places just have, like, new business starter packs, yeah. pretty much. So they're going to do several things for you. <coughs> they might uh, set you – they'll set you up with an EIN number, uh, which you can then use to uh, – that's, that's like your business's social security number. And you're going to use that to open a bank account, and you know you're going to use it like you would a social security number. Yeah, so I would I would recommend doing that. Um, they might even help you set up your you know uh, operational tax certificate so that you can charge sales tax. Uh, sales tax exemption. Is that something else? That's, you do? that's what you get from the. Uh, whenever you get a sales tax certificate, you use that number for t- sales tax exemptions. That's nice. Yeah, so there's a lot of things, and that is one area where, you know, I might just, again, you might have time on your hands, but I would probably just shift that time to someone who's professional at this and is going to do things way better and more thoroughly than you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but how much, Riley? That's uh, what people want to know. I mean, I would uh, just guess 1000 to $1,500 for all of your legal documentation up front. I've heard worse. And there's also the the side of like how are you going to invoice people? So I think I think we got QuickBooks right off the get the yes. the get go right. Yeah. Um, we use that a lot for sending estimates and quotes and invoices. Um, hey, get a get an email, get a get your own email. Don't use Gmail. Mm-hmm. You know that was like a thing for us early of like, hey, are we going to be like Ross Valor Coffee at Gmail dot com? Mm-hmm. We were like, no. Yeah, we're going to pay how much first? How much, Riley? For email, yeah, uh, five dollars a month, yeah, per account. Just, or just get like that. you, get you a. Yeah, you have to buy your domain name, which is you know potentially a lot, potentially or, a lot, but you probably not that much if you throw throw out a business name for a coffee cart. Uh, New wholesale account, Chimpy's Coffee Cart. I don't, I don't, it's just oh, it's, it's called Chimpy's. All right, so Chimpy's would have Chimpy's dot coffee, and yeah. I bet you that wouldn't be that expensive. What yeah. about Mocha My Day? That's definitely taken. Mocha my day dot coffee. 
Yeah. So, but anyways, you can do dot pizza. Buy your buy your buy that probably on Squarespace if you're getting started. Uh, this video is brought to you by. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I wish. Yeah. Same. Squarespace. Seriously, think about it. <laughs> but I know uh, you're listening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you know, start. You're gonna have to have a website for this thing anyway. So go yeah. ahead and buy your domain name, and uh, you know, wherever you buy it from, GoDaddy. Dot com or whatever. Uh, no, their commercials are too weird. Okay, well, buy they it from are somewhere. weird. Yeah, buy it from someone else. Okay, wherever you buy it. <laughs> I think we need to stay on this nah! a little longer. Google <laughs> will give you instructions for how to connect it to the email address. Google will tell you. Yeah, so get your own email address. Where did that come from? Uh, we were just talking about the things you need buy to do. Buy 20,000 business cards. Oh, QuickBooks. Yeah, so I was going to say on the note of QuickBooks, yeah, get that for invoicing. Because, I mean, it's a pretty good invoicing platform. You're going to think it's really expensive up front when you're starting a business because it kind of is. It's like 30 or $40 a month, uh, I think, when you start. And then it goes up after a year or something like that. But, uh, yeah, so get QuickBooks. Watch some bookkeeping tutorial videos. Wow. Like, sit down. and I, that, That's what I would say. You, you know, talking about the evergreen skills, learn those just just have a day or like a week or every weekend for the first month. Just sit down and learn some business principles. Right. Watch a you know, watch a three hour video about how to take awesome Instagram pictures. Watch a two hour video about how to use QuickBooks online. Watch a two hour video about Excel and how to build out a spreadsheet. And those things are gonna, you know, like you're going to build off of those things and maybe even like find the area you want to focus your time in the company, like in the future. I know mm-hmm. that we kind of all were able to take some of those things when we first started. So uh, I, I think that that is vital up front, especially the bookkeeping thing. Like just go ahead and do your books up front and your life will be way easier come tax season. You can't afford not to. You yes. Know, the bookkeeping side, like keeping track of everything. It's, it's such a small business in a simple business up front, but you're leaving money on the table if you're not keeping track of all that stuff. Mm. Let's stay on this whole logistical side of things and move to permitting. I know a lot of people have questions about, this is our least favorite. Uh, This was such a headache for us whenever we first started looking at it. Um, I, I don't remember what our first thought was about this. I bet at some, at some point we were like, Oh wait, don't we need like, permits or like Doesn't health someone inspect us health permits well, we thought about it well maybe you did well i think that if i'm remembering correctly that was one of the fears of doing the credit card thing of like man what if we take out this ten thousand dollars and someone from dawson county health department's like you can't do this we're taking the card away you're grounded yeah so we started just googling stuff and because there, there were no resources and we cl- quickly found out that the health code literature in the counties that we were in did not have a category for us to fit in. And this is still true with, uh, to this day in, in people I, I talk with across the country that are starting coffee carts. They, they've got, uh, I remember it was a hot dog cart mm-hmm. was something that was like Classic. really prominent. In the health a lot of literature around hot dogs. That was like a, an entire category. It seems as if every state probably just like copied New York's like <laughs> health code. Something. Because like when have you guys seen a hot dog cart rolling around here? Can't say I have, Riley. <laughs> They're brother everywhere. <laughs> um, 
There's one. Now. There's a hot dog cart and there's food trucks because food, food trucks were prominent. So, but we weren't a hot dog cart, newsflash, and we weren't a food truck because a, a food truck is held to a very high standard um, of of inspection. You know, they're ha- they're handling eggs and meat and all these things. So we're just trying to brew coffee. And yes, we have milk and we have wastewater and we have some of these like potentially risky things. But I remember we were working in a cafe. Uh, in Forsyth County, Georgia, and uh, we we learned through the literature that you need a base of operations. So you've got your cart that moves about, and then you need like a, a place where the cart comes back to, where you have a three comp sink, a mop sink, a hand sink, more sinks, just sinks backup everywhere, sinks, <laughs> backup sinks. Where's your um, backup three comp? But a place to wash all your wares and all that stuff. Um, and we were like. We can't, we can't afford that. We can hardly afford a cart. And we can't start making money from the cart unless we have a base of operations. Um, and I'll, I'll just throw a, a disclaimer out there that we, we can't fully go into all the detail of what you can and can't do as it relates to the health department, as it relates to the Department of Agriculture, because... Each state, each county is different. So we're not going to give this like really specific advice on what you should do if you're starting a coffee cart. And when that advice changes, you'll be mad at us. Right. And guys, let me say this and just listen for a second. Um, We're all listening. Since there's no literature about coffee carts, it and this is kind of crazy, it's truly just about your local officials and how they feel about you and your coffee cart. So bribe them. Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying not that exactly, <laughs> but not the poor hemp. Listen up. Um, not finished yet, guys. I need your undivided attention when I say this. Uh, we were trying to get everything sorted in that uh, aforementioned county, Forsyth County, and the lovely lady who's in charge of the health department disdained us and she disdained the idea of us or just new i think new business new business from what we knew anything and we were like this is impossible we're screwed yeah thankfully one like we still lived in dawson county at the time yeah and the people were way more chill in dawson county and we were able to like quasi partner with a catering company and like have it in writing that we had a base of operations and that was awesome yeah and even in Fulton County, where our cafe, our first cafe is, that's where we were doing our pop-up. And they, the city officials found out that we were just doing a pop-up in Alfred. And they were like, cool. Yeah, we love, we love the young guys doing local business. It's just coffee. Not going to hurt anybody. And we were like, great. Mm-hmm. And now we're good. You know, Because so we, we still had the, that Forsyth County trauma yeah so it when there's nothing written about this in code you can just go two ways you Mm -hmm. can like see that it's not a big deal and be like oh great love young entrepreneurs you go guys yeah or you can be like this is off the books you gotta shut it down i remember calling i forget what health department it was but i remember specifically not telling them my name or the the 
name of the company. My name is that, Ruz hey, Waters. If someone, just like my friend, was going to start a coffee catering company, like hypothetically, like what would they do to do that? You know, and like they told me the base of operation stuff. But ha- have a relationship uh, with your local government officials. They're, I was going to say they're relatively easy to contact. Sometimes they're relatively easy to contact depending on if they have the right amount of staff or not. But I would just say do it by the book. Be transparent with those people. Carry yourself with integrity and honor. And if and, and we'll, again, we'll get into this later. But having a base of operations is possible. And if you if you again just factor it into your startup cost and you're paying rent on a space like that is a road that people can take, mm. um, especially if you're like this is my career this is what I'm going for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was on a wholesale call with someone recently, and their health department was basically saying, you know, if you do this, you have to have a three comp attached to the cart, which to be, is like totally different than anything we've heard. Yeah. And they're like, it has to be affixed to the cart. And if it's not, we, we, we're going to know that you're not going to take it with you and use it. So, you know, but with that being said, you know, that's like a huge, like, Oh, this sucks. But they were, were like, okay, we're going to figure this out. We're going to make it into like a drawer unit that pulls out from, you know, from like underneath the top of the counter is like, you have a drawer with, a three comp in it that's just just big enough for your milk pitchers because that's all you need it for, and then you know whether they use it or not because it's They've not it. it's not helpful at all. Uh, it's on there and it helps them get that permit. So yeah, last thing I'll say on this is you got to think about what types of events you're doing. Mm-hmm. If you are out there at every farmers market, you're doing vending, which means you're selling your coffee and customers are paying for it as opposed to a prepaid event like a wedding, a private event, you're going to approach those things a little differently Mm -hmm. because there's not going to be health inspectors walking around at someone's wedding unless they were invited and they're off the clock. Which they could have been. Or they're spies. And there's no spies for the health department. That we know of. Or there's an opposing coffee cart that's out to get you. (laughs) They're making calls. 911, I have an emergency. (laughs) So moving on from there, if you have more questions about that, drop them in the comments, and uh, we will answer them if we want to. Um, Now now that you've heard about funding, you've heard a a little context on how much money we spent seven years ago on this, which is probably more now, honestly. Um, Way more. I have heard tell of a a good amount of people saying, like, I want to have a mobile coffee catering business but I don't want to start with espresso. Do you guys think that that is a viable option? And if so, what are the different avenues you would take without espresso, without you know the expensive espresso grinder and the Mamarzoko and all that? My opinion, I think you got to assess where you live. If you're in a warmer, tropical, or just temperate area. Tropical. <laughs> I would do like a freaking keg cart. Yeah. And because let me just say this real quick, guys. Listen up. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> every time you say anything. I need your eyes on me. Um, people like cold coffee more than hot coffee now. It's true. <laughs> like young people like cold stuff more than hot stuff. It's true. And you, if you're out there and you're offended, then sorry get out in the world and see for yourself like i'm just i'm the coffee expert here so listen up (laughs) 
So that's Dude, a, we're listening, okay? And that stuff is all batched and it's all stable for a lot longer. Whereas in if you're trying to do something hot, that thing is just constantly trying to not be hot, and you're like bending over backwards to make it keep it hot. And then when you keep it hot for too long, it over extracts and tastes mm-hmm. really bad. Or you're doing like by the cup pour over stuff, and if you're in any sort of volume where there's not just one person waiting. That sounds like a living nightmare. Yeah, and that's a hard pill to swallow for some people getting into this because you know a lot of times you're wanting to start a business because you love specialty coffee. You, and you love, love making pour overs. You love making pour overs at home. We were we were those people. We yeah. love pour overs. Yeah, and we were See? making pour overs at home Hello. and doing all the intricate stuff. We still like to do that, but we when we go to an event, we brew coffee in a four gallon Cambro and take it with us. Drip coffee. So I would, and it's still good. I'm not going to say don't start a pour over thing. If that's the only thing you have the means to do to start your business, do whatever it takes to start a business and get out there. And you're serving a very patient group of people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, you can you, you can maybe figure out some ways to do it, but it's uh, it's going to maybe be be a little tough if you take that yeah. route. Whereas if you brew up some cold brew, you know, even considering I don't know how much those like cold brew. Uh, like bicycles are those have been but, around for a while but yeah those, like longer than a car than coffee carts i think you can buy those pre-built or maybe you could build one yourself and it looks cool and it's very very practical you know set that thing up you can probably serve a hundred cold brews or something mm-hmm. uh, and people will love it you can maybe make a batched latte as well and it's probably gonna taste really good uh people are gonna take pictures of it I think uh, AJ Davidson from Reverb Coffee uh, started without an espresso machine, mm-hmm. or maybe still doesn't have one. He's not doing as much stuff anymore, mm-hmm. but he he would do. I for, I forget what his setup was, but he did a lot of ice drinks, like cold, mm-hmm. cold brew concentrate in a bottle, mm-hmm. you know, like syrups. Yeah, ser- serving iced lattes at a farmer's market, like. I, I, I will go as far as to say if you are considering starting a business that just makes pour overs at people's weddings, don't do it. Yeah. Like it's a bad idea because it's, sure. it's just going to take too long. Um, batch brewers, they're not, they're not that expensive. Okay. Yeah. Just buy one. I mean, it, we're talking about the startup cost of we've, t- we've thrown out numbers like 20, 25K. It's probably more, maybe not. But, uh, especially if you're going to go for like a simple cart and we'll talk about that later, but, um, buy a hmm, three, four, $5,000 setup with a batch brewer and some cold brew stuff. Like that's, that works. That, mm-hmm. that is a much better idea than like continuing your personal pour over passion at someone's wedding. Yeah. You touched on this Ross. Um, and it's important. And something I didn't understand is that cold brew concentrate is great for making drinks like you can make an ice latte quote unquote with cold brew concentrate instead of espresso and it's probably better than espresso and cat a quick a quick note on kegs i'll just drop this here look up what a corny keg is c-o-r-n-y cornelius keg that is the like home brewer you know user-friendly don't need a ton of equipment to accomplish it type of keg that you you use it's a lot easier than you think. You just need uh, you need nitrogen. Get uh, your local gas store. Yeah, we work with Air Gas, uh, which we love that relationship. 
Um, We're more in love with air gas. Yeah. And so you need gas. You need some like ball lock connectors. You need the kegs. You need cold brew. You need a cold brew brewing vessel. We love uh, Cold Brew Avenue. They're our, they're our favorite brewers. They're stainless steel. They, they're awesome. Um, and then to actually be at the event, and somebody actually wrote in a question about this, uh, should you bring a refrigerator to your event? Do you guys remember with, with our wooden cart, we built it to be able to fit a refrigerator? And we had, we bought one. And then uh, I think Colson, your brother, uh, bought it from us or something. You gave it to him. Colson, please. I mean, what happened? <laughs> it was a mini fridge because we used it. Sorry, for we, yeah. we, we, we weren't supposed to talk about Colson this episode. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we bought the fridge and we put it on there. It's like, well, a coffee bar has a fridge, so duh. But it just, I think what happened was we put like four gallons of milk in there because that's all it could fit. And we were like, we need more than four <laughs> gallons of milk. So we put it in a cooler and they were like, okay, let's just use the cooler. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to use kegs, if you're going to do cold brew, don't lug around a fridge. First of all, if you're in a hot or tropical environment, nice. your fridge has to take in that very hot and humid air and process it into cold air for your fridge. I don't, I, I'm not an authority on this, but I just don't think that's the best idea. Yeah, I mean, unless you're really going to scale it, because we have a kegerator that we take to events. But we haven't tested it, like, outside on a super hot day. Yeah. And I know originally we were like, let's put the kegerator in the cart, mm-hmm. restricting the airflow even more. So yeah, coolers might just be your best a, bet. That's a power demand that's pretty hard to meet. I'm a scrappy guy, okay? Uh, I'm just like, dude, put your... Unless you're like are weird about you need nitro it's like put it in gallon jugs and put it in a cooler yeah and then it's that easy yeah it's literally that easy so sorry we took a little pit stop on non-espresso carts but let's get back to espresso carts so the build out of the cart there's a lot of different ways to do it um we mentioned simple carts they're sort of the front runner in our minds uh, as far as like pre-made, pre-fabbed carts. You can even get them now with all of the electrical panels and plumbing and pumps that you need um, and sinks. And they, I mean, they branded, right? Like, yeah, they'll brand will, it for yeah. you. Um, and I, we have we have several wholesale partners that have went that route, and I've only heard good things. Yeah, Simple Cart, you really should be sponsoring this video. So. It's true. We we mentioned them a lot. Maybe if we say it, they'll retroactively give us yes. money. Okay, I'll just say it, and then we'll cut it out if we have to. Check, please. So <laughs> let's just assume... Literally, check, please. Yeah, let's just assume that people are building their cart, right? Yeah. Um, we decided to go with wood with our first cart. Um, linked below. Linked in the... A picture, maybe? A picture. It'll just be overlaid. I'm not going to link a picture. What is this? 2003? <laughs> you guys are awesome. Podcast didn't exist in 2003. Interesting what? take. <laughs> um, YouTube didn't. We went with wood because that was just the only idea we had. I mean, I, I mean, like, my dad builds cabinets. Your dad builds cabinets. He knows about a cart. It's just a big cabinet. Yeah. A cart's a cabinet. Let's do it. Slap some wheels. on And there. he did an awesome job. And we did a lot of events and made a really, really like mid amount of money off of that cart. Um, 
this route here, I mean, what, what are, what are, and I'm pointing back to our, uh, our metal cart behind us. What are your impressions, uh, as far as, as the metal cart? I think, I think the invoice was $1,000 on it. Are you serious? Yeah. I think it was 900. Okay. There I say, let's go with a 950. Um, <laughs> should I flip it around? Sure. Yeah. Flip it around. And, uh, we, We've got a um, well. The invoice was a thousand from Brad from Radiant Metalworks for the 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 body, and then we put a very thin uh, layer of Corian. Corian is our countertop of choice. It's in our roastery. It's in both of our cafes, and then it's on our cart. We like it because it's non-porous, really easy to maintain, and you can get a bunch of different colors. Um, pardon the mess, but. Uh, yeah, nine hundred dollars for this cart. Again, you may not have the same uh, the same experience with your cart, but um, what are your impressions so far of the metal cart, boys? Some things I like about it are that it you're moving something. Oh, you're you're moving something around, so it's going to get scuffed up. And that happened with our uh, that happened with our wooden cart, but whenever that got scuffed up, it was a different story. You know, you could paint it, but with the wood, it's just like things are getting chipped out of the wood, and that is bad because we had you know what 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 would we even do? Like try to drywall patch on top of the wood or something? No, we just painted over all the yeah the dents cake up paint. But with this. I mean, we scratched it at an event the other day, and then we got back and uh, Ross sanded it down and just yeah. painted it. And now you could never tell that it happened. Easy. So that's awesome. I will say it, it is lighter for sure. Especially we kind of roll with keeping the cart and itself, like the components in the cart, light, and putting a bunch of stuff on a, a secondary utility cart. So rolling around the cart when it's m- more empty is not that bad compared to the wooden cart, which was just always heavy, no matter what. So, you know, if we need to, like, get down on the ground and kind of sometimes you have to, like, go over a, a, a bump in the road, and we can kind of lift this one, whereas with the wooden cart, we were like, oh. How many pounds do you think that wooden cart was? Because we loaded that. It had a batch brewer in it. It was it's wild. 250 to 300 pounds, probably. Yeah. It was oh, there's no problem for me. Yeah. yeah Super for easy you guys. for you. Oh, and it had a granite countertop. oh my gosh okay yeah so the what the metal cart's been awesome um we painted the counter with a you know some sort of product from home depot that was like for sealing countertops and it's Mm -hmm. been fine i mean i think there's a better option out there um but that's kind of the beauty again of the metal is we could probably just sand that off and start over. If yeah. To. How about size? I mean, when I look at coffee carts out there in the on the internet and our wholesale partners, they are all smaller than that one. Yeah. And they're all smaller than our other one too. This thing is six feet long, thirty three inches, thirty whatever a, a door frame. Can I just say this really quick? When you're building out your cart, do not exceed thirty three. Or maybe I, mean, I would say thirty. I was I was I actually think it might be thirty. It might be thirty. But just measure a door frame wherever you're at, a residential door frame, not a commercial one, 
And don't make your cart wider than that because you will never be able to yeah. fit through a door so and that, cater any event ever. That door is going to be 36 to 40 inches. So then you subtract six inches and you're basically at 30 for the most part. Yeah. There have been events where like we almost could not get through the door. And I'm yeah. like, what's the, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. But in terms of this one, you know, being, being, is it, it's not quite six feet, is it? 72 inches. Okay. So, uh, with with this one, I think we were in as tight of a situation as we could be in that office uh, the other day coming out of the service elevator or going into the service elevator, and we made it. So uh, I would definitely never go longer than this. But, you know, technically we could we could go shorter if we wanted to, if we wanted to drop the lip around the edge, and that's what a lot of people do. Um, we like to have a raised area, as you can see back there, um, to kind of hide our service area because, you know, you're at a catered event, things are going to get messy and you That's just want to point. look neater, yep. but you could drop that. And then if you did, you know, some of that area is not necessarily service serviceable. Like we can't really do anything there. So you could shorten shorten it both ways, pretty much. Yeah. If you dropped it and just had a flat surface with things resting on top. When we're running a two man team on an event, there's there's like too much space. Mm-hmm. Like, but when we're running a three man team, mm-hmm. which really really speeds up the process because we can have one person taking orders, one person just ripping shots the whole time, and one person on expo like assembling the drinks and steaming milk. Um, I think you kind of need six feet for that. Um, and actually like the, the way our, uh, Dunwoody cafe was designed was inspired by the cart because, uh, when, when Ethan, you're always one who takes the orders because we, whenever we do an event, we just always assume the same positions because it just works, just works. But you would always stand on the side of the cart, like not behind it because we didn't have enough room. And also you like just the like, you know, conversational aspect. So our, our, Dunwoody Cafe is, is designed in inspiration of that. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty pleased with this. Uh, we, I guess we could have put some shelves in there, but at the same time, like the whole point was make it lighter. And so if we have a bunch of shelves in there, then we're going to load up those shelves with stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's all that was about the general construction of the cart itself. Um, how about plumbing? I mean, uh, the, the quick answer is you need, for, for your espresso machine, you need water and waste. And this was a great little thing that we found out. Our, our first water bottle that we used for our uh, first cart was just one of those like five-gallon translucent blue uh, water bottles like Primo that you see at, um, at, a, at the grocery store that, that fill up. Um, that was fine, mm-hmm. but we found this, this, uh, can you grab it, Ethan, and just show the camera? Um, we found this other vessel. I think it's like seven gallons, but it's kind of like a, a tactical look to it. Super durable. Um, it's made by reliance, uh, six gallons. Yeah. But they make them in bigger sizes, so just measure the dimensions too and make sure it fits under your cart. But we've been really happy with that. And then our waste bucket is a similar kind of build, but it's the the trick is for it to be tall and skinny. Mm-hmm. That is way better than 
uh, our Home Depot bucket yep. that we used for all those years for yep. our waste. Um, and back to Simple Cart, you know, everything that we're saying pretty much that's under counter, they have a solution for mm-hmm. if you want to get it all bundled together. I, I think they even sell some water tanks. They might not quite be that skinny, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, and they might be marked like fresh and gray water and so on and so forth. Yeah. A little tip you had was always making sure your wastewater is bigger than your yeah intake water because mm-hmm. you're going to also be pouring milk and other drinks down there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously the goal is uh, you want your wastewater to last for the entire event. You don't want nothing wanna, quite like uh, a little overflow. Huh? Yeah, you don't want to have to keep an eye on it. You want you want it to just be out of sight, out of mind for sure. Um, Bryson from Profit Coffee, P R O P H E T, in Charleston, South Carolina, he has taken this whole thing to the next level. I mean, oh. with with his uh, with his van, mm-hmm. he outfitted uh, a van with. All, all these same principles in mind, but he has his water in drawers and his waste in drawers, yeah. which is just baller mm-hmm. and totally the way that you should do it. Again, it's going to be heavier in that situation, mm-hmm. so I still dig how we're doing it with this cart, but he doesn't have to worry about his, you know, his van being heavy. Yeah. So plumbing, you need you need waste, you need a water supply. Um, a quick pit pit stop on water. Don't buy reverse osmosis water and run it through your espresso machine. Why? Because it does not have mineral content. That Why? is the whole point of reverse osmosis is it's it's basically distilled water, right? Um, mm. It's a similar product as distilled water, but you arrive at it with reverse osmosis. Um, if you want to use a product like third wave water, you can absolutely... It really should be sponsoring this video. Yeah, hey. Man. Missing out on some serious cash. If you want to use a solution like third wave water, I think that's a wonderful idea. Um, we love third wave water. You're going to have to treat all of your water with that for the, the sake of continuity. Um, it's pretty easy, though. Yeah, super easy. Great product. I don't want to be anti third wave water, but also I don't just, want you either. Just depending to be, or depending on where you live, your water just might be good. Mm-hmm. You know, and running it through a simple filter. Just to get some yuckies out of yeah. the way, you'll be fine. Buy a, buy a test kit and see, you know, test your water, see what's up. This video is brought to you by water test kits. All, just everywhere. Just all of them. <laughs> yeah. They all come back to us. And and a recent episode on our podcast with our espresso te- tech, espresso tick, <laughs> uh, Caleb Hall from Brownies. Um, he was Ooh. making the point that the water here in Metro Atlanta is great. Fuego, yeah. For. Uh, he didn't say fuego. He said fuego. I don't, he doesn't sound that's not something he would say. Um, is great for coffee equipment. And so there is minimal processing needed uh, to get it optimal for coffee brewing. You Dude. Said water is fire, by the way. All right. Yeah. Whatever, man. Look, here's the thing water is in the tank, it gets sucked out by a flow jet. Mm-hmm. So it gets pumped. That's not it, though. It needs to run into something called an accumulator that builds pressure. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's how you're able to use a milk pitcher rinser because it helps build pressure and and it helps uh, your machine, your espresso machine, get water faster. Yep. And that's really it. That's all you need. Yeah. Because the espresso machine needs like a uniform pressure, like the same level of pressure throughout the whole thing. And the flow jet is not enough for that. Um, Again, Sorry. again, okay. uh, 
Cafe Works, C-A-F-F-E-W-E-R-K-S. They sell larger accumulators. I'd considered buying one for this project, but that one's still <laughs> working great. Um, like 30 bucks? Yeah. Cool. I, well, not from them, but that one back on the cart was yeah. definitely 30 bucks. So uh, there are larger flow jets, larger accumulators. Somebody wrote in and asked a question of, um, you know, like on the simple cart systems or on the cafe work systems, they have like a, a small, medium or high volume package. Mm-hmm. And my, and his, his question was like, if I'm trying to do like 250 person weddings, do I need to buy a higher volume package? And my answer to that is, I don't know, but this has worked great for us. Yeah. For, for me, the thought process is more like just figuring out what you can do at a max volume, you know, that's a huge number that you should know. Yeah. Cause it's not about how many people are there. It doesn't really matter. It's just like how fast can you serve per hour and can your system contain that? You want to talk about electric? Just again, quickly on that plugging simple cart again, they have that hub situation where it basically has, I mean, you know, their own version of what a flow jet would be. So, you know, like a pump with a suction tube. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, essentially an accumulator, I believe. And then some quick connectors up top if you are Ooh. running lines to a bunch of different things. It's expensive, but, you know, way more expensive than doing it yourself. But as far as like a really nicely designed package uh, that would be super plug and play and modular, removable, if something broke, could be a viable option for you. So check out the hub from Simple Cart. Yeah, we definitely learned a lot having to do it by ourselves and get it wrong and have leaks. And I think I would recommend trying to do it your own way if you want a career in coffee, specifically in a cafe. Mm-hmm. But if this is just like your fun project or like you're just trying to be in events, that sounds pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it all just comes down to how handy are you and how much time do you have and how much How cash. handy do you want to be? How yeah. handy do you want to be? Um, so for electric, uh, similar to plumbing, there is sort of a minimalist approach to it. That's just simple. And there's also like these simple cart systems that are just super buttoned up that have like actual breaker boxes and like, you know, breaker switches that you would find in a house or uh, a building. Um, We use power strips. (laughs) We use a surge protector and we we, nice ones. We've got nice ones, but I don't even know how much (laughs) that has a metal casing and it looks more official. Cost more money. Yeah. We've never had some equipment experience damage because of like some power. power. Yeah. It's just like the power strip flips and you're like, oh, we use too much power. Yeah. I'm not going to say that won't happen to someone out there. But for us, you know, if you really wanted to button it up, you could install some sort of panel in there. But even then, it just comes down to at the event what else is plugged into the circuit that you're plugged into? Yeah. Because circuits have a certain amount of amperage. Does anybody know how many amperage, how many amps? 30. I mean, it just depends. No, it's 30. It's probably <laughs> close to 30 uh, just you, for like a... Are you talking about a residential outlet? It's 15. 15 amps? Yeah. So if one, so, that's just one outlet? Yeah. Not even a circuit? 
Like just one outlet can only contain. I'm saying just like a lot of times something's rated for 15. Like 15 a, a breaker amps. switch. Yeah. There's like 15 amp breakers. Mm-hmm. There's Ethan. So yeah, yeah I'm 30 gonna, amps would be like for an, an espresso machine. I'm going to change my answer. I'm going to cash in on 15. We can edit that out. Yeah, yeah. just change awesome. it from earlier to 15. Um, so if there are other things plugged into that circuit, then your equipment has less amperage, mm-hmm. which is a problem. Um, early on, we had, again, like we said, a Curtis G4 single head brewer on our uh, on our cart. We had a Lamarzoko GS3, a EK43, mm-hmm. and a Malconig K30. And pumps and... Uh, or like a f- two flow jet pumps, Ooh. and also like lights and like chargers for tablets, and that was probably it. But we would ask for two separate electrical circuits, and we we talked about this in the last podcast. We'll hit it again, but um, we that was something that was in like red bold letters. I don't know if it was red and bold, but let, you know, let's just say it was in our contract was like. If you want us to be at your event, we need two separate and exclusive electrical circuits. And we would get to the event and inevitably we would never have that because we would get there and they'd be like, you guys need power? And we'd the be like, the, like you, the uncle, you, you signed the contract the or something. Or we'd get there and, and they'd be like, yeah, two outlets right there. There's two plugs on an outlet. Like plug in, um, and the point is like we needed the amperage to to power all of that equipment. Um, so the a core principle that we carry to this day is like whenever uh, you have something in your business and the customers are getting it wrong over and over and over again, it's easy to blame them, mm-hmm. but really it's you're you're the problem. We've talked about this. Um, since then, we have decided to take the batch brewer off our cart, which I was going to say is a luxury for having this place we're sitting in. But actually, like, if you're going as skinny as possible, you could install a Curtis or a Fetco in your house. If you were just really trying to go super skinny yeah. and pre-brew coffee and put it in you know, one of those like... Uh, dual handle black cambros uh, that hold like four or five gallons of coffee. And then you'd never have to worry about uh, you don't have to worry about the batch grinder. You also don't have to worry about the brewer itself or the pump for that brewer. And so I think that is a, just a good piece of advice that like that's how we should have started. Actually, yeah. it was cool to have the brewer on the cart because if we ran out of coffee, we could brew more. We were kind of functioning like a traditional coffee shop in that way. But now we just brew a little too much coffee, and then we just also never run out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we also lost the EK. So we had an EK mounted on top, which added a lot of liability, but a lot of like on-demand coffee shop experience. And you might be thinking, how do you do decaf now? And we just pre-grind decaf espresso. And it's yeah. fire. If it was a very specific event, I mean, we do have two EKs in just this HQ. On We'd probably just bring one with us. So it might be something. I mean, if if you're even if you're doing coffee at a base, once you get established, it might be worth buying one 
you know, to brew your drip that you're going to take sure. to the event and then to be able to take it if you needed to. Yeah. And if you're at this point, if you've dropped EK 43, Malconic, EK 43. Um, if you drop using the brewer and you're still trying to go off one circuit with two grinders and espresso machine and pump, I'd say you can probably get away with it. You just shouldn't be running everything at one time. Yep. You can kind of like grind one and use the other one. Yeah. Another principle to glean here is as a business, you just want to make your customer feel like they're getting white glove service. Mm-hmm. Like they, they have they have no obligation in the matter and you're gonna take care of everything. Mm-hmm. So be self-sustained. Like if you if if you have the means, get a generator. Run a really long extension cord outside if it's an indoor event. I think that's a viable option. And you could completely sell out to that model as well. Like if you wanted to sell out to generator, you could have a 220, 220 machines on your cart and go that direction. It's just you you know at that point you're always going to have to use a generator. Yeah. But again, it has its pros. You could have a freaking two grip machine on your mm-hmm. cart if you wanted to do that. Uh, but you know, you just have to, gonna have to weigh the the pros and cons and how viable that is at events. I I know we were considering it when building this one out, and we don't even own a generator at this point still. But it'd probably be a really handy thing to have. Yeah, I would never sell out to it because I'm like we we did that event on the third floor of that building the other day. Yeah, and I mean, what are you gonna do, running out the window or something? Mm-hmm. If you were if you were going Wait, to run out the window, <laughs> if you were gonna scale your business to multiple carts, yeah, it might be worth having a generator centered cart. I mean, at that point, or truck, uh, and then having a uh, a outlet uh, centered cart. If you're doing events where food trucks usually hang out, there are usually there's usually 220 power there, mm-hmm. like which a food is, truck park. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but we have no problems with our current setup, and I really like it. It's it's just simple. We've learned what works, and sure. we've learned like where to invest the money and where to just avoid the hassle. And we just plug in. We don't even like check if there's other things on the circuit anymore. We just plug in in our GS3 and our uh, Anthem Scotty 2 run just fine mm-hmm. off of that one circuit. So that's electrical. You can get into the like the panels and all that stuff, but buy it or buy it by a surge protector and just let it rip. Yeah. How about branding and design? Like what where where did we where we came from and where we are now? How did we end up from a cart with, you know, some color and flare, maybe? I don't know if I'd go that far. It was a pink stripe. Yeah, it was like a pink stripe too. Something a little more simple and uh, I don't want to call it plain, but more sparse. Hmm. Yeah, the, the main the main thing there is like, how do we stay true to our brand while also being able to fit in anywhere? Mm-hmm. And that is important whenever you're trying to fit in at someone's wedding, the mm-hmm. you know the most the the most important day yeah. of their life. Let's turn it back around. Um. So you'll you'll see when they turn it back around, but it's just a, a beige look with blue valor. Valor is a little big, I'll say that. Uh, it's it's bold, but um, I dig it. Um, a lot of cart companies will go for a darker color just because it, it blends in, and you, you can always paint over it if it gets chipped. Um, but we just we went for this beige look, and. I think that's just the main thing, like striking the balance between 
staying true to your brand and also realizing that you are only going to be in other people's spaces. Mm. You will never be in your own space. Mm. So how can you be a chameleon in that way? Um, I know back to Night Owl, they even brand their cart for each event they go to. I don't know how they do it. I don't know if they have a vinyl printer or that's included with the quote maybe, but that is a pretty genius idea. For more corporate clients. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Like I know on their website, on the first page, there's a, a Google is on their cart. Pretty cool. Yeah. And we've we've talked about branding a ton on this podcast on past episodes. So um, if it's your first time listening to the program, give that a listen. Um, Very simple branding play we did on this cart is uh, a light strip on the bottom of it. Yeah. And it's like LED. You can change the colors to whatever you wanted to if you wanted to fit in with a specific theme. So that could be something simple you could do. So we've talked a good bit about equipment already, but uh, we're, people have questions about espresso machines all the time, and we just love the GS3 so much that I've just never delved into all these different brands because I feel like there's a new one like every two years mm-hmm. that people talk about. Yeah. Um, these there, there's a crossover between a a truly home espresso machine and designed for coffee carts and there's there's a few different machines in that category um comment below with your favorite one if you've ever considered a machine outside of a gs3 or a linea mini but i'll just say this if you are wanting this to be your long-term career a partnership with an espresso machine manufacturer in your area is important. And we chose La Marzocco because we had worked with the machines before and people we we look up to love La Marzocco. And we also met David Lamont, who is a local uh, La Marzocco associate Mm -hmm. uh, in the Atlanta area. And having that support has been really awesome throughout the years. Thankfully, we haven't needed much of it because they're great machines. But um, it's always a great uh, resource to be able to call. These smaller companies that are making uh, prosumer machines, I don't know what their support's like. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine it's as good as La Marzocco or you know, a, a different manufacturer. But I would not go for like one of these super like home espresso machines. Mm. I know a lot of them uh, are single boiler machines and... I th- I think I'm accurate in saying this, but most single boiler machines, you can't steam milk and pull espresso at the same time. Or at least that was the case. I think that you can't. So this is a dual machines. dual boiler, yeah. this GS3. Um, I think there are some single boiler machines that you can do both at the same time, but probably not at volume. Yeah. Um, because the way a boiler works is you've got water in there that's held at a certain certain temperature and a brew boiler is smaller than a steam boiler so the brew boiler is uh is keeping water you know at that 202 degrees fahrenheit whatever whatever temperature you have it set to but the steam boiler which is larger has some water in it but it has steam above the water and it the, st- the steam from your steam one comes from that steam mm-hmm. so it makes sense that if it was one boiler like it'd be really hard to like to keep up with both of those operations um as far as grinders go, uh, we love the Anthem brand. Um, we've recently uh, put Scotty 2s 
in all of our cafes and on our cart and our love for them is well documented on this program. <laughs> um, they are one of the cheaper options out there. There's not a lot of features on them, but I don't even like features on a grinder anymore. Just more stuff to break. Um, the Malconic stuff is improving. Uh, a Mazer would probably be awesome on a cart. They're mm-hmm. a little more, a little bit more pricey, but they're they remind me of Anthem's just being so rugged and simple. Mm-hmm. I know that Mazer has some more technologically advanced stuffed stuff now. Um, anything to weigh in on grinders? I mean, you just need something that will keep up. You need something that's solid. You're going to be in different environments all the time. Yeah, and so all the bells and whistles just probably leave them out. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's always a conversation. Two things come to mind: Linea Mini versus Linea Mini versus GS3. And I totally get that the Linea Mini is a little cheaper. Some people might prefer the way it looks, but again, it's just about capacity, and that's where I would lean towards the GS3. Uh, the next thing would be, you know, may- maybe I want, you know, there's going to be questions in the comments possibly about what about the Lelite Bianca? It's kind of prosumer or what about this machine or this machine? And we just don't want to get into all those antics. If you're spending thousands of dollars, again, what Ross was saying, just just go ahead and spend a little bit extra to get a machine where that is extremely serviceable by your local tech, that parts are readily available. And, you know, you might be wanting to look at those other machines because it has some bells and whistles. Again, back to the, you know, you might enjoy making pour-overs at home. You might enjoy your espresso machine at home that allows pre-infusion and all these crazy things. But if you're doing a catering event at a wedding, you don't have time for 50-second shots after you factor in pre-infusion and stuff. So what's really important in this situation is a machine that is going to not break down and that has volumetrics. So that that would be the most vital things. The volumetrics on the GS3 are awesome. They're very accurate. Mm-hmm. So you're going to dial in with those volumetrics, and you're not going to have to think about stopping your shots. Another thing about Linea Mini versus GS3 is the Linea, and you've said this a lot, it, it's a, a closed format. So when you're standing on the barista side of the machine, it's you've got a chunky block, and you've got the the group head under that, and you can't really see the group head as much, whereas the GS3, like the Lamarzoco Strata that's behind me, has a group head that comes out of the machine, and our, our spirit at our cafe has the same look. So it has this, it just the bar flow and the user experience, we like way more. Mm-hmm. Um, also, our mod bar at our cafe is the same thing. I think we just like that. You know, mm-hmm. have it, Linea's are awesome machines, um, heck, our espresso tech Caleb would it, that was the machine he would choose if he was starting a, co- a coffee shop as a Linea PB. Um, but having that open group head that comes out is just great for workflow. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what about you know some? We can just talk about some other costs associated, and then we can kind of revisit like a grand number for what for what you might expect to pay. Uh, one thing coming to mind is you know we talked about base of operations. If your uh, local health department is going to require you to go hard in this area, you might have to go and rent a shared kitchen space, and that's that's a that's a cost. That's a big cost associated. You know, yeah. I don't know what exactly the rates are because we're not in that situation. But you know, I wouldn't be surprised if someone having to shell out thousands of dollars for a year of a shared kitchen. Yeah, 
And or what we did, right? We had a hookup and we knew someone that was willing to share their space with us. Mm-hmm. That's kind of our whole story is that we were able to share space from a cart perspective, then to a pop-up perspective, and then to a roasting perspective. Because of relationship. Because of relationship. Mm-hmm. So if there's something like that. Um, but yeah, depending on how you want to grow, you're going to have to probably end up getting your own space at some point if you're going to be serious about a catering operation. Another big cost that we talked about, especially if you're going with a cart model, trailer. Yeah. Do you know how much our trailer costs? Uh, at the time, I believe it was $2,200. It was one of the costs we put on the credit card. Yeah, we did. Yeah, so, you know, you need it to roll up. The beauty of the simple cart is also the demise, in my opinion. You know, it's uh, a situation where you have to, you, you can break it down and fit it into a Ford Escape. And that is... A Ford Escape. That is... Ross used to have a Ford Escape. Uh <laughs> Now I have an expedition. Okay, you can also fit into an expedition. Uh, or an explorer. Or an exp- any of the Ford line. Yeah. Mid-size Edge. Plus. Well, not anymore. Okay. Flex. Anyways. The flex. <laughs> so that the flex. is the best part about a simple cart. In reality, a lot of times with these events, you don't want to have to spend the extra breakdown time to do that. You know, If you're on the third floor in the office, when you're done, it's a lot easier to just roll out, which yeah. you can do on the simple cart as well. So... Uh, you know, being able to roll out and roll the simple cart or your cart that you build onto a trailer is invaluable, in my opinion. Yeah. So, Time is money, yo. Yeah. So you might have to plan on shilling out, hey, inflation, am I right? 2500 to $3,000 to $3,500 for a trailer. Look yeah. on Facebook Marketplace, try to find one. Uh, but I would expect to have to do, you know, incurred that cost at least at some point if, if, if it's not up front last time we recorded something like this uh ac from comet coffee cart uh called into the show you guys, hey. remember, you guys remember this yeah. and he was talking about simple carts you called him but yeah um and he was like we were asking him what the setup time looks like for a simple cart and he was like you know sometimes i gotta get there like two hours before the event starts Mm -hmm. but hey you know once i get it going like we're we're good yeah and then the tear down just as we are revisiting this whole cart department of our company we are building it out we're building the systems for scalability and viability and part of that is not the three of us doing all the events yeah and so time is money has never been more true because we're likely going to be paying people for like per hour. Mm. And so if your cart takes two hours to set up, that's money mm-hmm. that you're going to be paying people again. Like if you're, if you're the owner, then you're just going to do what you have to do and you'll love it because it's your thing. But, um, all right. So total cost here, I'm thinking 15 K to 25 K all in because you have so many different routes you can go. You can go, you know, brewing in a mocha master at your house for drip, or uh, you could buy a Curtis. You know, you could use a Barazza Encore for your home drip. You could use a, uh, and you can buy an EK-43. Uh, you can get a, a trailer. You can not get a trailer. You could build your own cart. You can buy a simple cart. You can buy simple carts systems. You can get your own systems. There's so many options. So I'm going to say 15 to 25, 15 to, I mean, 30 
for that matter. Right. Um, but I would just expect to spend $15,000. If you're going to get a great espresso machine, a great grinder, a nice cart, uh, you know, the legal fees you have to pay up front, maybe base of operations and paying that if you have to, fifteen to $30,000. You guys think that's about right? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I think there's some rare situations where somebody can pull it off for less, mm-hmm. um, especially if you already have some gear or whatever, mm. or if you just find some way to make the cart like next to nothing. But that that sounds good to me. Yeah, and you can do anything skinnier, so you you can do it. And and I think we would endorse some of that. You know, uh, do what it takes to get your business going. So, uh, we're gonna have a full built out. You know spreadsheet pdf document with all of the equipment that you would need to start this including scales tampers down to the very last thing it's going to be in a community that we're building out it's a a cafe and coffee cart university of sorts so we have a link in the description of or the show notes of this video slash podcast that you can go to and put your email in and sign up for news on that so um, it's, it's a way for you to be involved. Uh, there, there'll be community aspects as well, where you can talk with other people who own cafes and other people who own coffee carts and play ideas off of each other. So, uh, go ahead and put your email there. Uh, on top of that, we have a wholesale program, right? That's right. So tell us more. Yeah. I mean, when, when you partner with Valor, you're obviously getting our awesome coffee that is super consistent and super delicious. Uh, we're drinking it right now. Uh, this is Hayride, right? We were drinking it. Well, yeah, it's gone now. <laughs> See ya. Hayride's our our uh, our fall blend. Um, so you're not only getting that, but you're you're getting a partner as well. And we are um, constantly brainstorming and improving on ways to uh, provide support for wholesale partners that are farther away. Because whenever like there's there's cafes that are local here that we do trainings with all the time. We're working with the the owners of those places, trying to trying to help them because whenever they represent our coffee well, it benefits us, which benefits them, and it's a it's a great win win relationship. But whenever you're in North Dakota and you're starting a coffee cart and you want to use our coffee, I mean, we're gonna point you to this podcast because we we're not like holding things back here i we're doing this community where we'll have more detail on all of it but this truly is just like everything we know Mm -hmm. on starting a coffee cart so a lot of the questions that i get on the support side of wholesale can be answered through this podcast Mm. um but especially as you as you start to like build the business more and and you're you're pushing more weight with us it just makes more and more sense for us to have uh, as active of a relationship as we can with you guys. So, um, also a super cool thing that really encouraged me from our last coffee cart podcast a year and a half ago was the, the different people that called into the show, uh, connected with each other. Um, and so there were, there were people who heard the conversation we had with Uh, our different wholesale partners that called in and like reached out to them and like started building a relationship and started uh, helping each other. So that was a really cool thing that happened in our wholesale programs. Like these people all use Valor Coffee. They're all subscribing to a similar methodology. They're all trying to start something and they were able to like use each other as a resource. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's move on to, let's say you have your cart built. 
you've got your funding, you know, you're, you're moving along and you're like, okay, I'm ready to start booking stuff. Mm-hmm. I always like to think about what we did in the beginning because it's just funny. But I think we did a lot of cold calling, right? Cold emailing, cold calling. Yeah. yeah. Which that was an evergreen skill and we certainly didn't master it. But just the, the action and the motion of doing that taught me a lot. Just talking to these people I don't know that are like all twice my age, you know, that have a lot more experience than me and know what they want. Um, it was a great exercise. And we were just like, where are coffee carts? Or like, where would coffee carts be? And it was like weddings, corporate events, movie sets, uh, parties is what we thought. Um, I mean, those are some of the, the basic things. Um, but if Ethan, if you were going to do this all over again, which we are, yep. who are the people that you would want to know? Well, there's a big delineation for me between catering and popping up pop-ups. Yeah. Typically, a catered event is, you know, a guaranteed amount of money. You put it on the calendar, it's scheduled, and the downside is especially if it's a wedding or something further out, it's scheduled a year plus in advance. So starting a company and not getting money until, you know, a year and some change is pretty scary. Um, And then vice versa, you have a pop-up, which is usually vending and selling coffee, so not guaranteed income, um, but it's typically on a more reoccurring uh, basis. And you can build like brand identity and build uh, a customer base and kind of, especially if you want to move towards a transitioning into a cafe, it's a pretty natural step. Um, so I would probably take a couple different steps in pursuing those simultaneously um, in building out, out like maybe a weekday pop-up situation in a high volume area, whether that's an office space or somewhere in a downtown and then try to save my weekends for like bigger, more lucrative events. Um, and people love coffee carts, so it's not like the hardest sell to get in, but talking to people that are wedding coordinators, wedding photographers, um, I don't even know, do we have any idea what kind of position the people at movie sets are who reach out? I feel to, like it's different every time. Yeah. You know, but... The director. Yeah, I, I think, you know, again, back to your website, have a good website that, you know, re, and with skills, research SEO, search engine optimization, and just be towards the top of, you know, someone looking up coffee cart Atlanta. You know, and then that's what is going to happen with those film sets. They're going to go coffee cart Atlanta. Oh, Valor Coffee. Click email. Mm. We need you tonight at 1 a.m. Yeah, classic and, movie set. And then maybe you can do it, maybe you can't. But then go and crush that event if you can, and then you're in their network, and they might call you again in the future. Yeah, and while you're there, don't be slimy about it, but try to network. Mm-hmm. Because... Think about the like we see Angelina Jolie. You're like, like hey, hey, you seem important. <laughs> like, let can, can we? Yeah, can I have some money. Um, the the opportunities that we 
got throughout the years have come from us knowing the right people. We were popping up at a trunk or treat in a neighborhood and we were making hot chocolates for kids outside. Probably made $200 that night or something like that. Yeah. But there was a dude, that dude, (laughs) who uh, we kind of knew from working in, in past cafes, but he was like, hey, I'm opening a co-working space in downtown Alpharetta in a building that I own. Uh, what if you guys were the coffee shop there? Mm-hmm. And we were like, well, we don't have money, but we can put our cart there. And he was like, great. So then like, that was a relationship. And it was just because we were out and about. If we looked at that trunk or treat gig and we were like, uh, it's, we're just going to make a bunch of hot chocolates. We only care about specialty coffee. Then like we wouldn't, be sitting here today. Mm. Wow. Um, And then we were in that pop-up in Thrive co-working for a year and a half or two years or something like that. And the guy that owned the, or was renting or owned owned the office in front of where our cart was, was our cafe all along. And we just had built a relationship with him throughout the years of like serving him Mm -hmm. at our cart. So networking can seem boring, uh, and you shouldn't do it to use people, but knowing those people and providing value for them because mm-hmm. we, we were providing value for those two people. Think about that. Like the first guy, he lived in that neighborhood that we were in. So he, he was excited about something cool being in his neighborhood. And then the second guy, we, like, like I said, we've been serving him for years. And so provide value for people, connect with people. That's where a lot of your opportunity is going to come from. Yeah, don't, I, I'll say one last thing on this topic don't have a concrete plan before you know that that plan can actually work out. So in our case, we thought we were going to pop up in a place and we had never, we had never even called the place to see if we could pop up. We just thought it was a lock. Yeah. We just thought it would work out. So don't do that. You know, (laughs) make sure that your plan is executable. And, uh, if it's, if, you know, take those steps before you, uh, build that into your bottom line of what you expect to make. Yep. Um, the, we wrote this down, but when, when you're starting out, just take anything you can get. Mm-hmm. Anything. Because when you take that event, one, you might meet someone that can lead to a further opportunity. But what's more important is you are going to get chops and you need chops. What I mean by that is like experience behind the bar. Mm-hmm. I remember we were at the Georgia Tech Farmers Market every week, or like at least during the semesters. We did, I think we did it for two years, and we the money was buns. I mean, it, I think we would take home like three hundred on a great day, gross, three hundred or five hundred or something like that. But what we gained was the just that that experience mm-hmm. of like loading out the cart every week, serving people together. Because at that point, we, we didn't really have much of a brand. Like, we were making our brand in real time. And we were, like, bouncing off of each other and, like, you know, oh, it's cool how Riley served that guy. Like, I'm going to do that, too. Or it's cool how Ethan served that person. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that, too. That is invaluable. Um, and your brand is, is so much more about that than it is about your, you know, digital presence or, like, your Instagram or whatever. The actual experience of your product is the most important thing. So... When you take any event, you're gaining that, and you're also gaining some small amount of money. Mm-hmm. So good. Uh, what about 
contracts when it comes to catered events. Um, have we always done contracts? Is that just something we wanted to do and we did? We've always done them. Yeah. I mean, in, in recent time, we've gotten a lot more lax on that. And I feel like that should probably change. But is that due to probably, I don't think we've been burned. No. I mean, the, like I said, the only time we've been burned is like they didn't have the power we needed. Or like another thing, this is just about communicating expectation. It's less of like sign here or we'll sue you. Mm-hmm. It, it's like we we need to communicate ahead of time that our cart can't go on gravel and it can't go up steps. We need an inclined surface. We need a doorway, like a standard doorway. I don't know if you have like tiny doorways in your joint, but like uh, there's a, a few basic things that you need to just communicate with whoever your day of contact is there. Um, and that can be done on a contract, but it's less of like a liability thing. And, and there are some helpful things on our contract as far as like we have proof of insurance, you know, like if there is someone at the event who is harassing one of our people, we'll give a warning. And if it doesn't get better or whatever, like we'll leave. And it's like, yeah, they sign and they understand that. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, there's cool things there. This is a good example of something that we'll have on our community platform of like our actual contract that we use for catering events. Um, but yeah, I mean, the contract is also good for agreeing on a price too. I mean, and as far as like communicating expectations on the deposit, um, I think we do something like a 30% deposit. Um, and then the rest of the payment is due 10 days before the event. And so communicating all of that and, you know, if you if you have to hold that over someone's head in a sense of like if they're late, you can be like, hey, remember the remember the contract like that. This was our agreement. So mm. they have value and um, we need to probably tighten that part up a little bit. Mm. And then, you know, the the hot, hot, hot topic of pricing. Mm. Yeah. Pricing and packages. We actually hit this last week. We uh, did pretty good but oh, yeah. since this is a lot of people's first time listening to our program um we can do an overview i know early on um <clears throat> our our whole thing was pricing per hour uh because our service is unlimited so it's like an open bar at a wedding um and i think that is that's industry standard i mean like pricing per head or like keeping track of how many drinks you sold or or like if 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 the the bride pays you a thousand bucks to come do the wedding and you sold way more than you thought you would or you you gave out way more than you thought you would you don't have the right to demand more money from the the bride and groom so mm-hmm. um so pricing per hour is good because you can have that unlimited uh unlimited service approach other things to consider your travel time um i know like Early on for us, like we were just so scrappy and like willing to do anything. I think we kind of had a, a poverty mindset on this as far as like we're just going to do anything we can and just take any small amount of money that we can. But we weren't like valuing our own time mm-hmm. and we weren't valuing our own money either because we never paid ourselves. <laughs> I feel like if we would have paid ourselves even a small amount of money, like let's say we, we all every event, we all got 75 bucks or something. I think we would have been in a better mindset to charge a better price because we would have just valued our time more. Um, 
but factor in your gas money, factor in some wear and tear on your car. Um, you know, like your Toyota Tacoma is probably worse off to this day because of uh, <laughs> events that we've done from pulling the trailer. Yeah. But I, I, again, like you said, we talked about this last episode. Um, I think a, a good round number, if you guys really, really want it, is we don't really do events for less than $1,000 these days. Um, just because again, how we value our time and then in the sense of us not doing events, us having to pay people well to do this. Uh, so, you know, it's going to depend on how you value your time, but, uh, our community platform will have a spreadsheet where you can plug in some numbers yourself, kind of see what we do. Uh, and then it kind of calculates it all up for you. This is something, uh, that, I think about a lot with catering and it's good for people to know that the costs associated with coffee catering are kind of funny because there are some, let, let's say you do a, uh, a wedding that you're serving for two hours. You charge them like 1500 bucks for your, your basic package on your cart. There's a chance. And, and let's say there's like a hundred people. There's a chance that you're going to serve like 50 drinks and we will talk about this later, but we do split shot drinks. So they're eight ounce cups and then it's unlimited, unlimited service. So people can get multiple uh, eight ounce drinks, but your cost on that is like nothing. It's like 50 or $75. And if you were to take a traditional model for calculating what you should charge based off of your cost of goods sold, you would want your cost of goods sold to be 33% of your gross income for that day. That would not be a fair price for you. Yeah. Um, cause that would be like $150. Yeah. So, and there's other costs associated, but, um, your main cost is labor. And again, if you're just starting out, like, I don't think you should be paying yourself what you, what you're worth, you know, like you should be, Building working capital. Building working capital Paying for your off business. that credit card you opened. Yes. And if it's your career, then you're going to be doing what you can to keep the business afloat. Um, but in the situation we're in now where we're paying people, our people are our first priority and we want them to be paid well. So um, just know that the cost of goods sold is not the main way you figure out what you're going to charge uh, when you're doing events because it, it can be a, it, and it's actually never a lot. You know, like I, I can't really think of a time where we had a two-hour service and we were like, "Dang, they really, we really uh, got screwed on this event from how many drinks we sold." Yeah, because you just know that you can only make so many drinks an hour. Now, if you take an event where there's like multiple self-serve stations and you're just like letting stuff fly, you have to just build that in your price tag. But it's a broken system because you're basing it off of the cost of goods, but your labor, if cost of goods is only being utilized for two hours, but there's probably like two to three hours on either side of that for labor uh, from that perspective. And so it's, yeah, it is, it's goofy. Mm. Goofy. Goofy. Yeah. So let's move on from pricing. Uh, how about, you know, you mentioned it a little bit, uh, menu. How, how should we, you know, frame a menu in the context of catering yeah and, and i don't know if is, is pop-up different or would you just do it the same as catering you know how how, how does all that work 
Yeah, I talked with someone recently that was like, do I need to do 12-ounce drinks? 12, or, no, I think, I think he was asking, like, do I need to do multiple sizes of drinks? Because mm-hmm. that's a very common thing in cafes is, you know, 12, 16, 20-ounce sometimes uh, drinks. And I would say that the expectation between a pop-up and a private catering catered event is a little different, mm-hmm. but not that much. Like at a farmer's market, uh, if you give someone a an eight-ounce coffee, they might be like, man, this, this cup's kind of small. It's, it, but it's like it's not – I don't think it's going to be a huge deal. Mm-hmm. I would not offer 16-ounce drinks from a cart ever, though. It's a lot of liquid to tote. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of liquid, and your your steam boiler is going to suffer from from steaming that much milk, especially if you're busy back to back to back to back mm-hmm. um, to back. Uh, <laughs> but we love 8-ounce cups. Uh, for lattes, we do split shots. For cappuccinos, we do double shots. For, like, cortados or, like, espressos, we still do double shots. And the key there is you're 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 using a double shot, but you're also pouring less milk because there's more espresso in the cup. Um, what we used to do back in the day, which we, we don't have this problem anymore, with our we, we've had two GS3s over the years. The first GS3, um, and this is actually a good thing to correct, and we'll, we'll get back to the menu in a second. But uh, the GS3 used to ship with a cool touch steam wand mm-hmm. that was buns. And so we replaced it with a non-cool touch steam wand that was less buns. Like basically just a, it was basically the steam wand from Estrada. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was like an aftermarket thing available on espresso parts. And that helped us a lot. We also cranked up the steam boiler all the way up to the hottest temperature just to like keep it working all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we bought a newer GS3 and it has a cool touch steam wand and it's awesome. Yeah. Like we've never ever had a problem with steam boiler keeping up with volume. I think it's similar to the cool touch steam one that's on the mod bar. It, yeah, it feels the same. Yeah. It, it it's it's beefy and it's nice. Yeah. So, but what what we used to do and this this could be a value to someone is we had a a portable eye, like an oven induction eye, stove as induction. Burner. Um and we put a huge pot on it filled it with milk got that milk up to like 120 130 fahrenheit and uh we would dose from that pot into the milk pitchers aerate it for like two seconds and that was it we're done we're ready to like injected some air and what a little bit 10 degrees (laughs) so it took a lot of pressure off the steam boiler and gosh darn it, it worked. It worked. And it you could do latte art. And it tasted awesome. Yeah. While we're there, for cold outdoor events, if your water is cold that you're feeding into the espresso machine, you got problems. Mm. And we didn't figure that out for so long. Yeah, because we'd set it all out in the trailer and yep. the water jugs would get like frozen. Like Yeah, like 40 degrees probably. Oh. Um, and then, you know, the espresso machine is not expecting 40 degree water. Yeah. So, uh, keep your water indoors or keep your espresso machine plugged up before your event. Took us a while to figure that one out too. <laughs> yeah. Um, freebies guys. Right. Yeah. This down, hey, huh? this is actually great stuff. So anyways, with the menu, go for smaller cups, go for unlimited service. 
Um, we do four syrups that are made in house. Make your own syrups. It's easy. It's a huge perceived value. Um, you can even, if it's a wedding, you can even offer offer to make a custom syrup, syrup, and it just with some basic skills. Like it's so easy, and it's a high perceived value. Um, we also offer cold brew, uh, but we don't put it in a keg just to just because we don't want to carry around an extra cooler. But we do have a package where we'll bring a kegerator. But for our basic package, we just put cold brew in a Cambro and serve from there. So that works out great for us. Um, our menu is as follows. Espresso, cappuccino, latte, iced latte, add syrup to the latte. We don't have Americano on our menu, but yeah, we'll make you an Americano. We've got drip coffee. We don't want to, though. Drip coffee, cold brew, loose leaf tea, matcha. matcha. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Yep. That's it. Vanilla steamer. <laughs> Vanilla steamer. Caramel steamer. No, we don't have that. Don't feel pressure to have all the same drinks that Starbucks has or all the same variations. Oh, we also have oat milk. That, that's, that's a good one, too. Oat milk, half and half. That's it. That's it. That's all that we bring. Decaf. Decaf, too. Yeah. Um, and like I said, we have the other package where we bring our kegerator, and, and that's uh, we have like... Uh, nitro latte nitro cold brew and that's it mm-hmm. so we're pretty happy with that i mean at a pop-up maybe we'd go 12 ounce but i still wouldn't change the menu mm-hmm. yeah. um i mean the only th- area i would push back is saying if i was in a permanent pop-up situation i would probably expand to 16 ounce and, and make that happen because we did that because you're trying to be a coffee shop yeah exactly yeah yeah, but at a farmer's market, at a wedding, people just have lower expectations. Mm. So that it's awesome when people have lower expectations because you can surpass them. Yeah. So how about day of? Like, How do you execute an event? Uh, I, I think we mentioned it. The, a good starting place is have your cart probably inside and heating up before you go and do the event. We never did this when we started. I don't know why. We would, I mean, a lot of times leave the cart on the trailer uh, Mm -hmm. and then we would get to the event and it would have to warm up from whatever the cart of inside, whatever the temperature of inside the trailer was, whether it was 40 degrees or 65 degrees. But one way or another, you have it inside and plugged in, you're going to lose, what, 50 degrees on the way to the event. So when you plug in, you're going to be warming up for five minutes versus 30 minutes. And then you can dial in a lot faster and your load in time is cut in, uh, I mean, it's, it's marginal. Or, no, not marginal. It's, it's minuscule in comparison to what you would be doing. Yeah, my, our, my favorite uh, prep process is actually since we have this base of operations, back the trailer up to our bay door, put the cart in it, run the extension cord out through the bay door plug in the cart Mm -hmm. weather willing of course with the the water situation that way you can pretty much prep anything outside of what you're grabbing from the cooler and you can get going Mm. um but there's a we also didn't do a lot of checklists and oh yeah we just relied on our brains like way too much and like the three of us being like did you remember this do you remember this wait did you remember this um but just you know, what you've been talking about a lot is like as you start doing things for the first few times, just record what you do, record what you learn, 
and make the proper changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So by the first few events, you could have the proper checklist and systems in place that you know, like, okay, if I need to be leaving my base of operations or my house by 2.30, I don't have to think about getting started until 1.45 yep. versus like you wake up that day and you're like, uh, what is all the stuff I have to do? Because with this whole time is money thing and with this whole like, at least for us, we had multiple jobs. So like we're trying to work and like do a shift at our coffee shop or wherever, you know, and then go do an event. So if we can like shrink down this like setup breakdown time into a tight operation, it gives you time to make your money as well. Yep, that's huge. Um, on the way to the event, be careful. Uh, don't, don't whip it around. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Except there have been times where uh, I was driving up a hill with our trailer, and I just hear this the, the like hugest bang ever, and I'm like just that stomach dropping feeling, and our cart was just rolling around in our trailer and just banging against the sides because it had had become unaffixed. So uh, make sure you're drilling into thick wood. Uh, whenever you're mounting your your hardware to affix the cart, um, use some nice ratchet straps. Moving blankets. We just learned that one. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, whatever. So another huge thing is uh, whenever you're doing the admin side of this and the event planning, make sure to get a day of contact because a lot of times when you're dealing with uh, with weddings, you're dealing with the bride or the groom, and um they will be unavailable on the day of their wedding, as it turns out. And so ask them, hey, what, what's a good day of contact for me for when I arrive or if I have any questions? Um, that's, that's a good little nugget Clutch. there. Um, once you're there, uh, and it, it, there there's just uh, a, back, to the, back to the systems and the checklists. Have a set of questions that you ask the day of contact before you get there. Where's load in? Is there an inclined surface? What's power look like? Just reiterate everything on the contract um, because the day of contact could be different from the person who signed the contract. Mm-hmm. Could be I, the uncle. I know this is all very minuscule, but this is all very important. Um, so once you get there, you're loading out. Um, get that cart in position and consider the flow of uh, of your your customers or the people you're serving yeah we did this last event where they wanted to put us in this hallway and diplomatically we were like i wonder if we like what are some other options you know on the table here that's a dream because it was not gonna work it was not gonna gonna work it was gonna be bad think about the flow of the people and again they the people that are booking you are going to blame you if it goes wrong not if, the day e- of contact. Yeah, even if I mean, and just just to that point, we do have a, a space uh, uh, requirement stipulation in yeah. our contract, so we could have referenced that at that event, but we didn't have to because we were able to be like you know cool about it. Yeah, yeah be cool. especially you. You were really cool. I kept doing like this, yep. like this. Yeah, I think that really saved the day. Can I say something? for listeners out there? Ethan was holding up his middle finger. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> Um, I know I was talking about shrinking down your event time. I'm going to push back on that just a little bit. 
Something that's always stuck to me is when it comes to pricing, obviously you're trying to get events and you want to price as economically as possible. But I would always, something that I like is pricing enough that gives you the ability to give yourself margin at an event. Like, I can't tell you how many events I've done lately where they like kind of want to shift the start and end time. Oh, yeah. Minusculely. Every time. Or not that minusculely. They like want to add 30 minutes. Add 30 minutes. Yeah. Like, hey, can you actually start 30 minutes early? Hey, can we actually move you over here? And it's like, oh, that's going to take a little longer to set up. If you're like, I've, I've charged $300 an hour because that's exactly how much money I need to get through this event, then you're like being all weird. But if you're yeah. just like charged enough where you're like, hey, I'm going to give myself flexibility. I'm not going to show up two hours early, but I'm just going to, if it takes me 30 minutes to set up, I'm going to get there an hour early because parking could be weird. Mm-hmm. The day of contact might not have all the answers I need. They have to figure out power. Someone has to help move this or that. So pricing in a way that gives yourself margin on either side of the event to be like, yeah, we can hang around for 15 more minutes or like whatever. Yeah, that, that's like the under-promise, over-deliver exactly. philosophy. That's, that's huge. So once you've got your cart in position, once you've thought about the flow of the guests, get plugged in immediately. Get that espresso machine uh, up to temp. Um, that's your first priority. Figure and, out if you're going to flip a breaker. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, it's, and you will probably flip the breaker while the machine is warming up because that's when the it has the greatest load on the ambridge. Um, run your, your espresso grinder for a little bit while you're heating up just to test it because you, you don't want that to happen during showtime. Um, get everything set up. Consider, especially with weddings, there's such a thing as quiet time where like you let you arrive at 4 p.m., right? And then let's say they have the ceremony in the same uh, the same room as the reception. You got to get that thing ready before the ceremony starts or mm-hmm. like way before the ceremony starts. Mm-hmm. So you should charge for that. You should charge for inactive time because that is your time. So consider that. Get all of that planned ahead of time with with the day of contact. Um, once you have everything pl- plugged in, it's all set up. This is something that I just started thinking about, but I think is a cool way to eliminate confusion. If you have an agreed upon start time, let's say it's 10 a.m., you should not be behind the cart from 9.50 to 10 a.m. You should find another place to be. Because your green room, what's going to happen is you're going to be like 80% ready at, at, uh, at nine 50 and people are going to walk up to your cart expecting a drink. And if you tell them you're not ready yet, you can't just be like, but, but the the people, they, they said, we're going to start at 10. And so I can't serve you yet. Like just, just avoid that, avoid that altogether by being ready by nine 50 instead of 10 and then clear out, use the restroom uh, from 9.50 to 10, and then right at 10, walk behind the cart and just, like, you know, play the show, if you will. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you want to hear people starting to clap and cheer you on. Mm. Then you walk on stage. Yep. Put on your expensive apron. That's next. <laughs> um, as far as bar flow goes, we touched on this earlier. We like, it, if, if an event is over, uh, it was like, 175 people, 
or like 200 people will bring a third barista. Mm-hmm. And it's just take orders, pull shots, finish drinks. Those are the three positions. Um, on the cart, we write people's names on the cups, which bar flow wise works well. Aesthetically looks bad. The Sharpie on a cup and we don't have the best handwriting sometimes. Hey. Sometimes I can't read it. What? You're telling me right <laughs> now on air? <laughs> but with our last cart, and we talked about this last uh, episode, we had a kitchen display system. And so it might, it might, it might seem weird to like bring a iPad with Square to a wedding, but when you're putting in the drinks, that they're all free. They're all $0, but... Those you're able to use a kitchen display system. You can also track how many drinks you make and maybe have a better cost association. That's analytics, baby. Yeah, that'd be cool. So I'd suggest something like that. Would you say this isn't a hurdle anymore because of like young people and technology? But we always had to find people's Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Or we'd that? use Hotspot. That's how I was going. I feel like most iPhones just like very easily yeah. have Hotspot. But I feel like when we were starting like. It was much more like, what's your data plan and how much is this going to cost kind of moment? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, that that's in your list of questions for the day of contact. If you're relying on Wi-Fi, is there Wi-Fi there? And if not, how's the service there? Mm-hmm. Because you, you can start to plan for these things. And, and remember, like if, if you forget to ask that, they're just going to think it's your fault. Mm-hmm. Even though like, oh, but you didn't say. like It's, it's always your yeah. fault. Especially with things like that, just have a backup plan. You know, Sharpie. Have a Sharpie in your utility bag. Or your apron. Your tool belt. Yeah. Uh, that's that's huge. And then we already kind of touched on it, but split those shots. Uh, that I, that revolutionized our catering operation. It did. Splitting true. shots. That sounds like it could be like a, a bargain move or like a cheap shot, but it truly makes a lot of drinks go out way, way, way faster, which is such a higher bonus and value add to work through the line and get everybody something in their hands and then for the five to ten percent of people that want more they can very easily come get more Mm. true i mean as far as bar flow it's just keep it simple Mm -hmm. keep it quick yeah maybe picture share yeah picture share is huge and then something you mentioned Based on your cart, you know, we were saying if there's an event where there's a certain amount of people, like 175 is where we would add a third person. But maybe with your operation, you just need to ask the question, do more people help? You know, because if you have something so small, it's like, yeah, this guy can just make espresso and take orders and this guy can do milk and there really isn't room for someone else in between. Um, So figuring out what a maximized cart system looks like to handle higher volume stuff is pretty clutch absolutely so in conclusion i think the most important thing to consider is why are you doing this Mm. and what is your long-term picture because that alone almost will inform your decision making heavily Um, i know for us like we mentioned we were like this is our plan a this is going to be our career. We will have coffee shops one day. This is our lowest barrier of, en- barrier of entry. Let's go. Make it work. For other people, it's a side hustle. Um, some people have a 
an existing coffee coffee company and they want to start a catering branch or a pop-up branch. These are all viable things to consider. Um, but I wonder, like for someone trying to start a coffee catering company, how many carts do you need to have and how much demand do you need to have to be able to even need three, four, five carts? How Get much on your area? How yeah. much income gross does that even make? You know, like if you're just making two thousand bucks a week from one cart, that's like good, good money. Multiply that times four. I mean, like that's a number. <laughs> Let me just call it a hundred thousand a year, pretty much. Yeah, which is tight for your gross revenue. Um, and if you're a, a couple trying to start a coffee catering company or you're, you're a single person or whatever, whatever it is, um, consider your long-term vision because what we're getting at here is coffee carts don't make a ton of money, but they are a low barrier of entry to owning your own business and uh, definitely to start a coffee company in general. Mm-hmm. Um, any other closing thoughts, boys, before we sign off? Yeah, I would just say, again, we've said it however many times, we're going to have so much more info on you know specific spreadsheets and PDFs and videos on building out a cart and what the coffee cart business looks like in our community. So get signed up for that. Uh, we should be releasing it. Uh, I mean, I would say, what, at the latest sometime in quarter one, 2024, um, but maybe sooner, who knows? I will say some of the some of our best memories have been doing events. Yeah. Oh yeah. Some of the heck most hectic crazy memories have been doing events. Mm-hmm. So, considering the type of person you are, if you want to do this, like it's very for lack of a better word, like volatile, mm-hmm. you know? Sales are not consistent typically. The money's not consistent. The experience of like what's going to go wrong is not consistent, but if you're down for the roller coaster ride and you want to try this out, go for it. Yeah. That's good. And get in contact with us and buy our coffee. Yeah, that works. I'll that be works. even better. That's one consistent thing you can count on. Darn <laughs> right. it. We love free consistency. Throw in, free throw in your hopper. Yeah. Uh, well, this has been a good one. Our longest one in a while. Yeah. Uh, but if you've enjoyed it, we would really appreciate it. If you would subscribe to our YouTube channel, like this video if you're watching it, and if you're listening on your podcast platform of choice, go ahead and give us a five-star rating and share it with your friends. We have an Instagram at Valor Coffee Pod where you can go ahead and repost our reels to your story, tell all your friends that there's a cool coffee podcast out there from the guys at Valor Coffee. Boys, it's time to close this out. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. Peace.